Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. This is Internet Marketing. Hello and welcome to the Internet Marketing Podcast brought to you by Site Visibility. I'm your host, Scott Garnett. And with me today is Sabrina Siobhan, Managing Director of Complex Creative. And we're going to be discussing what do you learn from an MBA? And a little bit of context for our listeners before I bring Sabrina into the podcast. So I spoke to Sabrina on my podcast, The Advertising Hour, about a year ago now, I think. And we were discussing really the topic of authenticity in marketing. Complex Creative leads with the tagline, No Bullshit Marketing. And so we were having a fun conversation about what it means to lead a no BS agency and what it means to lead with authenticity. We described a lot of Sabrina's history and experience in that episode. So we discussed a little bit about the creation of chess books for children, a little bit about Sabrina's chess career. And the reason that I thought Sabrina would make an interesting guest for today's episode is because I saw that Sabrina recently completed an MBA I know Sabrina is committed to self-development and that she would have some strong opinions and some well-considered opinions on self-development and learning. And I know that Sabrina has also recently contributed to a marketing module within an MBA, which we're going to discuss as well. So lots to talk about, lots to learn, and welcome to the podcast, Sabrina. Thank you. Thanks for having me. No problem. So I would like to start with an early part of your journey there's going to be lots that we talk about kind of different aspects of your career in this episode. But I know that many years ago, you were studying to be a doctor, but you had an enthusiasm, a desire to run your own business. And I really want to know how that journey played out. And so how long ago was it at the time that you were studying to be a a doctor? You know, what, what made you want to run your own business? And then when you eventually made the decision to throw yourself into entrepreneurialism. Talk me through some of the decisions that you had to make and how that journey looked. Well, I think my desire to run my own business actually started before I went to medical school. I, um, from, from a very early age, I, I wanted to run my own business. I just didn't think it was possible. I'd always also always liked the idea of becoming a doctor. I'm from a very medical family. Everyone in my family does medicine of some kind. I've got two brothers who are both doctors as well. So, you know, and, you know, when you have older brothers or older siblings of any kind, they're usually a great influence on you. Um, and so I did want to follow in their footsteps. I just, I've also got no one in my family who is an entrepreneur or, or runs a business. So I just didn't think it was actually 
feasible. But I distinctly remember being 16 and we were doing, you know, the Young Enterprise program at school. And I remember winning a national award for that. And, you know, I, I, I sort of started a little business there and, and did really well with it. It was really profitable. I just massively enjoyed it. And, you know, I've always had that passion for it. Um, I just didn't think it was actually possible. But I went to medical school. And, you know, I, I really enjoyed medicine and, and it's, I still find it a fascinating topic. But whilst I was there, I moved to London. I was, I was originally from Birmingham and I moved to London and, you know, everything was suddenly three times more expensive. <laughs> I was a poor student. I was like, Oh my God, what on earth do I do for money? Um, and, you know, also being very sociable, I wanted to be out in the pub every night and, and go out all the time. And so I couldn't really do that as a poor student. And so obviously I wanted to get creative and, and try to earn some money. And so I, I looked to kind of do tutoring for exams and things like that. Mm. And I, you know, started off doing that sort of thing, um, teaching kids, you know, for the, preparing them for GCSEs and A-levels. And it was good money, especially for a student. Um, eventually I just got so many students doing that, that I ended up turning it into a business, like accidentally. And that's how it all happened. It was all kind of accidental. And I, I wanted to do it properly. I, I you know, and, and so, I ended up like trying to promote that as a company. I then, you know, needed to do marketing for that. I ended up needing to do a website for that. And that's kind of how I stumbled into, into the web design world, um, which obviously we can come back to, but, but it was, you know, it was, it was that, it was that accidental thing. And I, and I, then I started to do a bit of research on it and I found how easy it was to actually start a company. What I didn't realize at the time was how difficult it is to run a company <laughs> and maintain it. I was like, wow, I can pay like 50 quid to this company. I'm, I'm a business owner. This is fantastic. Got my certificate of incorporation. It was brilliant. And then, you know, suddenly ended up with loads of fines from HMRC because I hadn't filed accounts and stuff like that. <laughs> It was, a, it was a really naive journey, I definitely have to say. But um, um, yeah, so that's that's how I kind of stumbled upon um, entrepreneurship. And I did all this whilst I was still at medical school. And so that was like what my first couple of years of medical school looked like. And then, you know, by the time I got deep into it, I was earning a lot more money running that company than I ever would being a doctor. And I kind of got addicted to that lifestyle of entrepreneurship. And I was traveling whenever I wanted to, you know, and it, it just, the freedom was fantastic. And so that's what made me kind of leave medicine and, and, and not look back and, and kind of go on this journey as an entrepreneur. Uh, and what year are we talking when that fork in the road moment came about and you kind of had to make the decision, hey, do I carry on with medicine or do I throw myself into this business that I've created? That was 2008. 2008. So okay. So ago. that was your first business at that time? Mm, yes, that was. And I'm really interested. You mentioned as you were talking there that you never really had anyone in your family that you didn't know that it was an option to create your own business because you had no one in the family that had gone through that process. And I'm just interested in that aspect of learning and finding mentors and finding inspiration. So are you able to speak on kind of how you got started? Was it just learning on the job and learning as you go? Yeah, yeah. it was It was being really bad at it for a while is what it was. Um, Google is always your best friend for that stuff. And that's literally what I did. I just Googled everything. I I didn't know anyone who had started their own business. I, I didn't have any friends, families, anyone. Um, so right. like, I, I didn't know what to do. I just, I just read up a lot on it. And, you know, back then the, the also wasn't, 
YouTube channels and tutorials and mm. there was all these different things that you could do now. You've got, you've got every resource at your fingertips, but back then you didn't. And I bought books from Amazon. I remember startups.co.uk being a thing um, because I was on that a lot. Um, so that was still about, and I think, you know, I just, I basically just Googled every resource I could about how to start a company, what the best formation for the company was, the pros and cons of it. Like I just went through everything, um, and did it all myself. And, and, you know, again, when it came to designing the website, I had a bit of a design background, but I, I'd never never built a website before i remember having to do it for for the company and again i i went online tried to find some people hired some supposed web developers and this is where my distrust of uh, web developers came in was that every single person i hired were really bad they just didn't know what they were doing and you know i'd ask for corrections and they they said it wasn't possible i'd google it and find the answer how to do it in like five minutes so i was like what how are you a professional i'm paying you this much money and you can't do this job so that's when i ended up doing it myself i literally decided to take over and google how to edit the rest of my website to get it to launch and i thought that's ridiculous um and I then wanted to improve on the website. So I, I further taught myself and I literally bought HTML and CSS for dummies from Amazon <laughs> to do that. And I bought that book and started off, I started off doing it. And then gradually I just kept on teaching myself. And, and that's how I ended up in the world of web design, which is kind of crazy thinking about it too. Um, but it is all self-taught. And yeah, and, and I think that the, the mental thing's a really interesting angle because I feel like whenever I listen to podcasts or, or audio books or, you know, um, about successful business people, they always say, Oh, I had someone as a mentor it was like I looked up to so-and-so whether it was my uncle or grandfather or whatever they they had someone in their life who could inspire them to to go on this journey I didn't have that don't get me wrong I have incredible parents who have been supportive of me all my life and you know for example my dad has always been the person I'd call up if I ever needed anything and he's so knowledgeable and would be able to support me on that sort of thing but he's never run his own business Mm -hmm. however he did do an MBA back in the day so you know he does have that sort of um background so he would be the person I spoke to but he didn't and he's they're a bit older than me and doesn't really understand technology these days and and has no idea how to use digital marketing or anything like that. So it was a definitely an interesting journey. And I did try to reach out to people online. And what I found, and I find is still the case, that it's very difficult to find a mentor that isn't actually, I haven't come across one. So if anyone does know of one, I'd love to hear about it. But I haven't ever come across a platform which actually just connects people up to mentors in the business world i've seen smaller platforms which are more niche that does pair up mentors which is fantastic um but you know just an overarching place where you can just find a business mentor and they can seek out someone who aligns with your values and your goals and your skill set and actually just mentor you along the journey people have been there and done that and there just isn't anywhere that's still like that and so i've still struggled to this day so this is 14 years later Mm. and I still don't have a mentor who I can turn to and just ask for advice and that's really quite depressing to be honest yeah that's interesting uh there's a lot that I want to break down there but um on on your I guess your question or statement about is there a platform I think that's come up in some podcasts that I've recorded before and as far as I'm aware as well there there aren't any um there are some smaller niche 
mentorship programs. And at one point, LinkedIn did try to roll out a mentoring matching kind of system or functionality. So you would enter your details on LinkedIn, you would note who you're looking for and what kind of career you wanted, and it would try to match you with people, with mentees and mentors. And um, you got a selection of people that you could speak to. And it was the service was entirely free. And I remember I ex- this was a couple of years back now, I exchanged a few messages with people who I thought had interesting careers and I wanted to speak to. But the responses were kind of minimal from people. And I don't really know why they, they signed up. And it felt weird on LinkedIn asking for people's time entirely for free. And um, I don't know if they still run that program, but um, that did exist a couple of years ago. I think I think I do remember that. I think also Facebook tried to do it as well. Right. I was definitely in a a Facebook mentorship program. But like right. you said, I didn't have many many people reach out to me mm. and I don't think many people knew it existed. And so it wasn't really done very well and I think the people who did reach out to me weren't actually looking for mentorship but were looking for free services and that's Mm. what I found it wasn't it was it was abused and so maybe that's why LinkedIn didn't continue with it Mm. is because I got a lot of people just going oh I see you do websites as my mentor could you perhaps just build me a website and I'm like Mm. No, that's not quite how it works. And so, so yeah, I think that's, that's maybe why it didn't, it didn't work, but I think it would be a fantastic, um, initiative. And it's something I'd love to do is just to pair people up with mentors. And, and I, I know that a lot of people would be happy to kind of give up their time to be able to give back to people. It's really interesting as well, because I would consider you successful in a lot of things that you've done. And I'm sure we'll talk about some of that success as we continue, but. You know, you're successful and you're still saying, hey, I'm still open to the idea of having a mentor. You know, I'd still like that person for either guidance or to bounce ideas off of or just to learn from their experience. And yet 14 years on or something, you haven't necessarily been able to find that person. So it, I think what's maybe just on that topic, what would you seek out a mentor for at this stage? And the reason I ask is because objectively you are very smart and very successful um we've talked about that on the previous podcast of authoring books and um, we did i didn't discuss it in the intro but i know you're a member of mensa you're an international chess master you know there are lots of indications that you're very smart and very successful and so i think people might assume hey you know you don't need a mentor but is that something you would like to seek out oh 100 percent. and mm. i think that you know it's very very kind of you to say all those things <laughs> and you know i I, I think that everyone defines success in a different way as well. Mm-hmm. So whilst I might seem successful to one person, another person probably doesn't think I am successful. And, you know, and, and I think it's all about how you feel. And I, I know that I will always want to find a way to improve in, in any area that I can improve in. And I think that having a mentor isn't to do with whether someone's successful. I think that whoever you just define as the most successful person in the world can probably benefit from mentorship because there are some mm. areas where they, they may be weak and that's where mentors come in. And I think personally for me, I'd like to find a mentor who has been through this entrepreneurship journey themselves as well, perhaps started out with having no experience like myself. Like I think that whilst I do look back and think, okay, I'm, I've done pretty well for myself considering I didn't really know anything um, and didn't have anyone there to support me. I didn't get given a million pound loan by someone, mm. as you know, like, but, but, you know, to start their own business, I, I did do it from scratch. And I think that I'm quite proud of where I've come for those reasons. Um, so 
I'd like to find someone who also did that because I think, again, you know, you could find someone who can help you with various aspects, but they don't really understand like what you came from. I think that that's mm-hmm. why having people whose values align and, you know, the morals align as well is very, very important because you approach things differently. So I'd love to have someone who's been through that. I'd love to have a female mentor who could understand the difficulties of being a, a business owner as a woman. And, you know, I, I'm sure I've spoken about it before as, you know, unfortunately I still receive a lot of sexism as an agency owner, um, which is ridiculous because I think it's 2022 20, now. Um, but also I'd love to have a person of colour for the exact same reason. But, you know, how how would I find, like, this is it. How how What are the chances that I'm going to find a female business owner of colour who's been through similar stuff to what I have, who's happy to give back their time and and mentor me on their journey. It's it's a very slim market that I'm looking in. Um, I'm not saying they have to tick every box, obviously, but that would be the ideal person. But I'm I'm I think a mentor just needs to be someone who's patient, who obviously is knowledgeable, but is empathetic and is willing to give back. I think that's it. Like I think a lot of uh, there are people out there who who go on mentor journeys because they get paid. There are some mm. mentorships obviously which are paid and, and it's clear that they're doing it for the money and they don't actually want to help that person or they sign up to do a voluntarily, it's a voluntary one, but then they actually like, you know, what they do is they, they just cancel on the person because they don't see it as being important. And then they actually make that person feel a bit diminished as a result that they just keep getting cancelled on and they're not, they don't seem as important. Um, so you really do need a mentor who genuinely wants to help that person who genuinely enjoys giving back and, and, and help and wants to, to educate the next generation of people. And I think that that's very rare. So that's probably why it's difficult to find mentors. Uh, you're in, in an interesting position actually, because there are lots of reasons there that you've described about what you'd find beneficial in a mentor but you're also in a position where you're able to mentor people yourself. And I know you have, I guess I'm curious to learn about what are the benefits to you from being a mentor yourself? What what do you learn from that process? I think that people do things for different reasons. As I said, I think the reason why a lot of mentors don't work is because they're doing it for the wrong reasons. Mm. I, I've always enjoyed teaching this is a huge part of who I am I, I, mm. I still do a lot of teaching we talked about chess I'm still I still do a lot of chess coaching I um I'm always teaching in my agency I'm all I always love hiring juniors and training them up this is just I love to pass on knowledge that I have I love to see people grow and I think because I genuinely want to see that person succeed that's why I think I enjoy mentorship I really do believe in giving back I think that's the only way that life works is that people give back you know what they've what they've achieved in life um and i think that i think that you you can also learn stuff as a mentor and i think that you know i i get asked questions by mentees all the time that make me think about things Mm. and that make me sort of you know self-reflect and i actually discover a lot about myself and my own business journey and it helps me actually come up with ideas about my business and and why I do things in my business and perhaps ways I can improve because of the questions they're asking. So from a selfish perspective, mentees actually have a lot to give as well. And I think that 
you don't realize, but you can learn something from everyone, no mm. matter how inexperienced they are. If you actually just open up your mind to realize that people have something to give, everyone has something to give. And I think that again, some mentors go into the whole mentorship thinking they are the experienced ones. They are the ones that know everything and the person who they're mentoring is beneath them. And again, that's the wrong attitude and it will come across inappropriate when when they're doing the mentoring but you know if you're just seeing someone that you're trying to help along the journey but you can also help each other i think that's a much nicer relationship and and a much more successful one yeah it sounds like one of the major benefits of being a mentor is that ability to it's seeking different perspective which helps you to broaden your critical thinking skills so that process of self-reflection uh, allows, just opens you up to, as you said, new ideas, new ways, and maybe to run your own business. That's the, the selfish part of it. One of the things that probably prevents a lot of people from wanting to become mentors or being able to become mentors, we talked about the platform problem and maybe there isn't a, like an actual technolo- technology solution to that problem. But it's also that fear of thinking sometimes that you don't know much. So, you know, what have I got to share with anyone else? How were you able to encourage your team and other people that you work with to share their knowledge and kind of commit to that value that you just discussed about really life being about sharing on and passing on knowledge from one person to the other? That's a really good question. I think you kind of hit the nail on your he- on the head when you said um, a lot of people worry that they don't have anything to give. Mm. I think that's the most common thing is that people... And I've said this myself. I said, well, why would anyone want me to be their mentor? Because I'm still on a journey of learning myself. So what can I give to people? But that's what I'm saying. No matter how inexperienced you are, you always have something to give. And that's what, that's the message I try to communicate with my team. Because again, on an everyday basis, you know, your team produce work, um, and, they may not want to contribute. They may not want to to give their opinions on something because they don't think that they are good enough to give them an opinion on something. But I always encourage us from day one that people, it's, we're a very collaborative team. I want everyone to give an input and I will ask people, even if it's their first day on the job and they've had no experience, I'm like, well, what do you think? <laughs> and I'm like, there were, there were no stupid ideas here. Like, you know, if, if you come up with something that doesn't work categorically, I'll explain why. And then you're actually educated from that and know next time, but you've contributed. And I, and I will always keep that, you know, openness within the team to encourage people to contribute because the worst that's going to happen is that they're going to learn something mm. and you know it's it's them feeling valued and i always try to make sure that you know no matter what people have done in our team i will let them know when they've done something well and and that they do have something to give and and if something comes up that is you know an area where another team member can help i would be like oh so and so is a, a specialty uh, like you know an expert in this and you know you should ask them and and even if i have more knowledge in that area supposedly i will pass i refer it on to them because i think that that's an, a great te- teaching opportunity and they feel valued and it just helps all around i think that's really nice and i, I try to encourage that right from the get go um and i do encourage self learning and self development within the team all the time as well i think it's really important yeah. So that's the part I want to get into next, which is a, a good transition. You're setting this up for me, which is yeah. <laughs> So um, I, I was thinking about, it sounds like as both a managing director, but just someone in a leadership or a teacher position, one of the things that, one of the things that you do is just repeat yourself. It sounds like you repeat that 
to help create a culture of learning and the fact that these things are, this is the culture that you want. You want a college, uh, a culture of knowledge share. Is there anything that you can practically point to that you do within your company to encourage that knowledge share? Or is it really just a case of, it sounds like two things. The first is repeating yourself and repeating that message. And the second is it's kind of facilitating the conversations between people. It sounds like that's a key part of your role. Yeah, I think it's um, also a lot of it is understanding your team. So you have to meet with them regularly and understand what they actually want to get out of their role and what they want from the job. Because from my experience, I've noticed that I think I know my staff and what they want and why they they accept the job there. But actually it's not the case or it changes, you know, three months down the line because again, everyone's developing. And so, you know, I always, as I said, I repeat to yourself and like letting people know that I am here to support you if you want to learn anything new. And we have an unlimited training budget, for example, at mm. our company, but no one uses it half the time because they don't think to use it. They don't think, like, you know, they don't think, oh, I need to learn anything right now. I need to go on this course or anything. I think that also there's like the negative connotation of school. Like not many people enjoy school life and they think, oh, this is like going back to school again. So it's dressing it up in a different way. And, you know, if I were to approach one of my employees and I found a course for them that they, I think they would really benefit from and really enjoy, I approach them and say, hey, do you want to go on this? And and every time they'll be like, oh, that looks really good. And, and they want me to sign them up. But if I ask them, oh, is there anything out there that you want to look at? They they don't. And I'm like, you know, you've got a limited budget to spend here basically on training, but they're like, they don't, not interested. So I think it's, um again, it's a culture thing. I don't think as well, like, you know, in, in the UK, I don't think this consistent, like, you know, the, the I don't think that continual learning is something that's, so prominent in the UK I think for example maybe that's more prominent in Asian culture I think mm. you know they are always looking to self-improve and, and a lot of learning is, is built in from a young age I don't think that's the same case over here I think it's changed a lot now with with you know modern day courses that you can and you could just watch online and, and you mm. know it's, it's a lot more accessible um, but I do think that people and I, I think maybe also a lot of people think learning stuff is geeky um i think it's got that negative stigma to it and so people think that if you're like studying or learning something then you're a bit of a dork and i think that's the problem and i think that needs to change and and so if you dress it up in a different way i think it then becomes a bit better but again i think that people don't see the benefits of learning Mm. directly um and that's the problem it leads me nicely to actually you and this position that you're in as you've talked that through Again, you're in a really interesting position because you've got this academic experience, but then there's also a lot of self-learning. So yeah, you have the structure of further education, but then also just a lot of entrepreneurial spirit. And that's a really interesting position to be in because sometimes I don't necessarily meet people. I typically meet either academic people or people who have learned, yeah, self-taught maybe. And talk that through it sounds like there's a third thing that you do and that's practice what you preach so it's not like you're asking your team or you're not mentoring people and saying hey you need to learn when you're not doing it yourself you're actually very committed to your self-development and learning which leads nicely to the MBA and um, I'm really interested you know thinking that through thinking about your career you had lots of success outside of further education 
but then you recently completed an executive MBA in business administration and management. And I'm just curious to know what led you to that? Why did you decide to, to do that on the outside, just looking in? You're successful up to that point. So I'm interested to know what you led to it and then maybe what did you learn from that experience? Yeah, as I said, again, everyone defines success in a very different way. And mm. whilst a lot of people do think I'm successful, personally, I think that I, I could be a lot more successful. There are so many goals I'd like to achieve. There's so many things I'd like to do. And I am always looking to be a better manager because I, I do really care about my team. I don't want my team to be unhappy or, you know, I want them to, I want to have, I want Complex Creative to be a place where everyone's excited to get up to and go to in the morning, you know, I mean, that might be too much to ask for, but you know what I mean? In mm. terms of this is a place where you, you're going to be spending most of your time. Um, and so I want people to enjoy being there. Um, so I need to know what I can do to produce that working environment that I, I would like to have. Yeah. And whilst, like you said, I have learned a lot along the way, I've never learned it officially. And, and, you know, you're right in the fact that I've also only really met people who are either academic or self-taught. Mm. There's very few who've done both. But I think you need both. And I've always had that. And I maybe it is because of the way I was brought up as well, that to be on 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 proper education, everyone, my, everyone in my family went to uni and things like that. And, mm. um, you know, I, I believe in that. I believe that you should be taught, have a good foundation and, and be taught things properly. But I don't think it just stops there. I think that you need really, really practical imp implications and, and to continually learn. It's like, for example, people take driving lessons and they learn how to drive. But then you don't, I don't think you learn, actually learn how to drive until you get into a car by yourself on a road without. That's when mm. you really start to learn how to drive. I would distinctly remember the difference because I found driving lessons easy and I did 20 hours, jumped in a, in a, in a test and passed straight away. It was really easy. But the moment I, I went and got a car the next day, I'm done. That's what I'm like. I was like, right, this is awesome. I went and bought a car the next day and then drove it home. But oh my God, that drive home was the most terrifying drive yeah. of my life. And it's just like, I was like, oh my God, I don't have someone as a safety net here. What do I do? And I remember like going out into London, central London for the first time ever and no one would let me through. And I'm sitting there like for like, 10 minutes before like God, I might realize I had to drive into the middle of the road before someone lets me through all these things you don't actually learn until you're you you learn by being on the road mm -hmm. your instructor doesn't teach you that stuff because that's not technically correct so I think that's the same sort of thing like I believe that you have a structured education and then you learn things on top of that and so I didn't have that with entrepreneurship and I've kind of got to this stage without knowing anything properly um and so I wanted to I've done it in the backwards of how I think you should do it. Yeah. But I, I, I got to this point and thought, yes, okay, I've, I've done quite well, but I could do a lot better. And I'd like to have official training in, in all of these things. Um, and so I decided to do an MBA because I felt like all the things that you learn when you're doing an MBA are the things that would help me become a better company director, um, and run a business more successfully. Um, and I, I'd, I'd be able to, check whether I'm doing things correctly as it is and learn new things and just do things in a much more structured and, and organized way. And that's the reason why I did it. The word structure has come up a couple of times there. And it was one thing that was kind of prominent in my mind as you were talking there as well. And it's for you, you said you've done it 
kind of an, uh, a different way around than you maybe recommend, but it's kind of giving you a platform really to reach the next level in whatever your career and your aspirations are. And I was thinking about the, you know, sometimes when you learn, sometimes you don't learn new things, but it may reinforce things that you think you already knew, but you maybe weren't 100% certain. It gives you that little bit of confidence. Is it fair to say that going through this process of securing your executive MBA, that you maybe it gave you that confidence to that assurance that you were on the right path anyway? Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's one of the best things about it, actually. Mm. Um, And I think that's, there is a pro in doing it in this order because you already Mm. have knowledge and actually you can go into the MBA with specific company goals in mind that you would like to be able to achieve or, or, you know, experience that you've had and almost get solutions for those problems that you've had prior to that. And I think that if you're doing it first without any company experience, you're basically learning theory, but none of the practical applications. Mm. So in some ways I do, I do like the fact that I've done it this, in this order. Mm-hmm. And yes, you're right. I, I, I did a few things. I learned a few things and I thought, Oh, fantastic. I'm doing it correctly. This is exactly what I do and I'm doing it right. So it gives you the confidence to do those things again, but at least you know now that you've done it correctly. I think that, um, this largely comes down to the fact that I'm also a solo founder. Mm. I think people who have um, co-founders, they have partners, they've got each other to bounce ideas off. So if you've got an idea, you can check with your business partner, that's the right decision to make. And you're a little bit more confident because you've got someone there for you if things go wrong. As a solo founder, you don't have that. You're making every decision by yourself. Again, if I had a mentor, that would be slightly different. But you know, you're basically making every decision um yourself. And if things go wrong, you have to solve that yourself. Mm. And so it's really, really hard. Um and so that's why I felt that I needed this official structured learning so that I could feel that I was qualified to make these decisions and (laughs) and do these things, even though, like you said, I've been doing this for over a decade, but I still feel like I am am more um, qualified to make these decisions and run my business now that I've got this MBA under my belt. The reassurance and the, the structure, it completely outweighs the vanity benefits of just saying that you have this thing. It's actually, you haven't mentioned the fact that, you know, you haven't mentioned at all as you were talking the vanity aspect of it. Cause I know that, um, you know, some people will, uh, they'll maybe explore higher and further education for the vanity benefits or because they think it's just the thing that they should do rather than the thing that they need to do. But for you, it's, it's actually the benefits of structure and maybe reassurance. Uh, is that fair? That's very fair. Like uh, that didn't, that doesn't even come into my head, mm. although that is a lot of what other people do as well. You're right. And a lot of people be like, oh, because I've got an MBA, because I've got a PhD and they, they drop it into every conversation they can, to be honest. And, um, no, that's definitely not the, the driving factor of it at all. I mean, I don't really care that, um, that, you know, if people know I've done that or not, it was purely to, to learn and to understand, to just be better at my job and to, to be able to run a better company and, and, you know, provide better services for my clients and just make a better workplace for my, my staff, really. That's the reason why. And is there anything that stands out to you from your MBA that you can pinpoint and say, whether it gave you a new perspective on a topic that was already top of mind for you? or whether it just reinforced, hey, I'm going on the wrong, the right lines. Is there anything that stands out to you as kind of a, a key lesson or couple of lessons from the completion of the MBA? Um, 
I'd say the data aspect. And I think right. this is, this comes in a lot of people ask, you know, the question, Oh, if you could, if you could give your former self like 10 years ago, a business tip, what would it be? Um, and I always say plan more because I, I think, like I said to you, I just found out I, I could start a company and did it and went head first and didn't really think anything of it. Um, and I think I, I approach that with a lot of things and I don't really plan things properly. I just kind of like to go head first into it. And I definitely think that's the wrong thing to do. Since doing the MBA, and I think that this is, this is also from the also discipline of doing it. That's another reason why I did it as well is, um, I did the executive MBA, which yeah. is, you know, supposed to be a, a harder. The material is supposed to be more difficult. It's supposed to be for people more advanced in their career. Like doing that alongside running a company, you need a hell of a lot of discipline <laughs> to be able to do that because it's not easy. Um, and you know, that in itself, taught me to be really organized and, and plan more and, and to have that sort of skill. Um, but, you know, all the modules that you do, you do like accounting modules, you do statistics, you do things about um, management and project project management, um, how you structure the company and obviously like the strategy, the finance side of things. There's a lot of modules that you cover, but they also all come with data and, you know, structured, whether they're, like, you know, whether they're spreadsheets or whether they are, strategy documents they come with templates and and you know ways of doing things that just make your life so much easier and since i have completed it what's so bizarre is that it's only been a little bit of time since i completed it but since then like and you know i've always done it i've done a business plan for previous businesses but i've now officially done a business plan that was like one of the biggest pro- the projects i have to do at the end yeah. of it and you know i've redone my business plan i've done a business plan for a client um i've um now submitted a pitch deck for a um a um, an investment project that I um, want to get invested. I've done like all my cash flow forecasts for next year based on all the different, like, you know, structures and, and the things that I've learned in that MBA. I've taken the templates that they've given me within that course and utilized them directly mm-hmm. in my own business. And so for that in itself, I feel like I've just suddenly got this really organized business and, you know, all the tools that perhaps, you know, a, um, a financial planner would have given me a, a, a professional strategist and NED, like all these people, I think that would have, I would have paid thousands and thousands of pounds for their advice. And they basically just give you these tools. Wow. I basically obtained from the MBA, which is, which is fantastic, really. The question that comes to mind is, could you self-learn that stuff? And you can, but it, one of the aspects of self-learning that's really difficult is it is overwhelming if you don't have that foundation. And that's maybe also why, at least in my experience, I've seen a lot of people struggle, not with learning or the process of learning, but it's actually knowing what to learn and like where to start. And so it kind of gives you that, yeah, aside from structure, like a foundation or a starting point on what to learn next. Absolutely. So, yeah. And you're right, it's, it's completely overwhelming. And that's, mm. I, I think that's why I didn't really do anything in the beginning, because uh, where do I start? And like yeah. I said, now, especially, there's, there's a whole sea of information out there. Where on earth do you start? Like, you could, you would just, you would, you would go onto YouTube, you watch a video, and then you get caught in the YouTube, like, algorithm, you'd be doing a whole funnel of videos that are not even relevant to your business. And, and also, how do you trust that material? Because, 
everyone's putting their own material out there now. And how do you know whether they are actually experts in what they do or, or following bad advice? Like you just don't know. Whereas if you've if you're taking you know a degree from an actual certified institution, you know they've had to go through rigorous conditions to make sure that the quality of the of the material they're providing is actually good. So you know that you're learning the right thing. And mm. I think that's really important as well, because at the moment, I just, I don't know whether to trust. Like you read a blog article on something. How do you know what they're saying is actually accurate? And that's the thing. I've seen so many articles on things that are, that are just completely untrue, but people are just putting out, um, content out there and you can't stop that. So I think it's really difficult for people who are trying to be self-taught because you might just be learning the wrong thing completely anyway. Apart from the fact that it is completely overwhelming, it's like, you know, you, you don't even know if you're learning the right thing. So that's why I think that it's good to have a foundation because then at least you know roughly whether what people talk about is correct and you, you kind of have an idea of, of what to then learn. Like, so now I, I if I want to learn more about something, I, I kind of am more focused and I know where to look and I will get, I will get a more in-depth book or something on the topic and, and learn more then. Was there anything as part of the MBA that you expected maybe to learn, particularly as a modern, well, a creative agency owner? So is there anything that maybe would have helped you that you expected maybe to be a module or that, you know, in hindsight, you think, oh, actually, they should really include that in the executive MBA because it would really help creative agency owners, but it just doesn't exist right now? Yeah, I think the more practical side of things. I mean, so I, so with the MBA, I did you know the core subjects and you could do specialisms yeah. and and I did one of the startup entrepreneurial specialisms um it was just too basic um and okay obviously that's because I'm speaking with loads of years of experience as well so it probably <laughs> doesn't help but but it's it's I just I think that nothing can prepare you for what you actually do experience as a business owner and I think that I love to have a course out there which actually, you know, trains you for when do you hire your first member of staff? Mm -hmm. how, how do you hire your first member of staff? Like what, what do you look for in them? Like how much should you pay them? Like, should you go junior and train them up? Should you go senior because they need less help and, and you know, you can, you can invest more time. How do you know to make those decisions? That's mm. a big decision. That's a big decision that, that people still don't know the answer to, but some guidance on that would be good. Um, I think, you know, it does a lot of stuff on finance. So, you know, we cover a lot of things on finance. We cover a lot of things on accounting, but you know, within that finance, it's more budgeting and like, you know, it's also talks about it, it also covers, you know, even portfolio theory and all, all that kind of stuff, mm -hmm. um, capital structure. But what it doesn't do is say, you know, ha like what should you invest in your company when you're starting out? Should you put X amount of money down or should you go get, um, should you go get finance from somewhere? Should you go get a bank loan? Like what should you do? At what stage should you do that? Um, you know, those sort of things that I think are really, really practical questions that business owners are continually asking. I don't think there's anything out there in those courses that actually cover those topics, um, which I think would be really useful. But then like, you know, the problem is, does anyone actually have the answer to those things? That's the question. <laughs> yeah, sometimes they're hard to articulate. You kind of have to experience them to know the answers. But they're, and and sometimes they're just it. It's very difficult because uh, there isn't a single answer. It depends on the context and the scenario you're in. So, 
you're completely right but maybe just like um sometimes you don't need to know the answers necessarily you just you just need the context or the awareness of what's likely to happen so you know this scenario uh, this is something that i talk about a lot actually is that there are particularly in marketing agencies there's there are scenarios where they might only come up once every five years but you know they're going to come up they will come up and so it's just having you know you having that experience means that you know it will come up and it's just helpful sometimes to pass on that information so that other people it's not a surprise when other people experience it um, they might, like you said, you might not know the answers to those things when they do come up. Um, yeah. but at least people feel more prepared, maybe. Exactly, and I think you know, for example, there's 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 a, there's a module on you know uh, pricing and marketing, and you know how, how how to sell your product or service to a customer. And obviously, that's a theoretical side of things, like mm. understanding your value, like communicating that, and all that kind of stuff. But what it doesn't t- teach you is, for example, how to hold a conversation with someone about that. Like, you know, if someone's actually asking about your service or product, how do you communicate it with them? Like, what do you do? And do you, you know, you know, some people go really hard, cheesy sell, and that's really off-putting. Like, they don't talk about, you know, actually how to communicate your business with people in a normal conversation that you can educate them, but at the same time, not become across cheesy and salesy. Mm. Um, it doesn't talk about how to handle an, um, an unhappy client because you're going to get one at some point. And and, you know how do you do, how do you handle that like you know you don't you you don't sort of like be really defensive and 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 snap back at them because you never know what's coming back to you 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 always want to maintain a good healthy relationship even later down the line and you know it doesn't tell you about all those practical side of things and i think that's those things are really really valuable and you you basically only lo- learn those from experience mm-hmm. and i think that like you said, these things are always going to happen in every business and a heads up would be really nice to be honest, that's what it is. <laughs> well, taking this conversation full circle and in closing, I know that you, I don't know if you finished this or whether you're in the process of doing it, but you are helping to teach or contribute to a marketing MBA or a module in a marketing MBA. So I just wanted to close by asking you about that process and you know, just before we started recording, we were talking about podcasting and it being conversational and I was kind of laughing to myself because you were saying that um, you actually found it a difficult process to maybe structure your thinking and deliver it in a different way. Um, It's not kind of what's most natural to you. Yeah, maybe if you can expand on that and just talk a little bit about what you're teaching and maybe that process of structuring your thoughts and how difficult that was. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) it was was interesting because it wasn't, um, it was a hybrid. So, So whilst... I'm teaching an, an MBA. I'm, I'm teaching a, a, a module in a marketing MBA and I'm talking about marketing strategy. So obviously it's, it's not an easy topic. It's a big topic as well. Mm. Um, and it's a fantastically modern MBA where you actually can learn by watching videos of people who with experience talking about it. So that's myself on video talking about it. So it was a strange combination because while the material had to be official teaching material, um, I also had to be conversational and still, you know, interesting. And I think that, you know, if, if someone was to sit down and say, you know, write um, a university degree module on this and it was just, you know, very formal written content, I find that easier because you've got time to do that and it's, it's very structured and, you know, it's a very easy kind of, it's, well, it's, it's a very formal kind of tone mm. was this is a modern MBA and, you know, you can sit there and watch videos and soak up the, the content really easily like that, which I thought was quite interesting. Um, so I had to do it in a conversational style, but 
I couldn't just wing it like I do with most podcasts and, uh, you know, just have a conversation off the cuff because I need to make sure I cover all the actual relevant points that are vital to someone's uh, learning. And so I had to obviously prepare answers, um, but at the same time answer it in a, in a conversational way. And so I didn't find it that easy because I always feel like I've missed something because it's a big topic. And I always think, oh, I could have said that. I should have said that. I missed that. It's a really vital piece of information. I wish I'd gone back and said it. And, you know, I I wouldn't be able to do that unless I was reading off a script and that just feels awful and unnatural. So I would never do that. Um, and so I think it was the the contrast of, you know, wanting to be able to cover a lot and give as much value in, in the videos as possible, but also seem natural and conversational at the same time. I, I thought the, the combination was quite difficult. And if uh, anyone listening wants to find information on the MBA, is it out there? Do you want? Are you able to share it? Yeah. Um. So it's with the Power MBA. Um. And if you go to their website, which is just thepowermba.com, uh, there's the Digital Marketing MBA there, and I'm one of the tutors uh, teachers on that. Um. And there's also another section called Working with Agencies, and I'm one of the agency owners who's been interviewed for that section too about my journey and some practical advice for anyone who wants to try and run their own marketing agency. Um. And I talk about things in there. So um. Yeah. Just go onto thepowermba.com. They also have and kind of modern MBA there as well that's not just digital marketing so if anyone wants to have the more business side of things do check it out for sure and it's so funny because um what I know we're running out of time and one of the things I thought I wasn't going to get to ask was about the power MBA because I keep seeing them advertised everywhere and I've seen it kind of and you talked about it being a modern and uh, maybe a yeah just a modern approach to the MBA and that's what I see through their marketing so just from a marketing through a marketing lens I'm aware of them through their great marketing. So it's really interesting to tie that up and know that you're a part of a marketing module within that program. So before we just close out, do you want to let our listeners know where else they can find out more about you and Complex Creative? Yeah, absolutely. So um, you can see our work and find out about the company at wearecomplexcreative.com. We're also on most social media platforms. So you can type in either We Are Complex Creative or just search for us on those platforms and we are there, Instagram, LinkedIn, etc. And the same as me personally, I am on most platforms. You'll find me largely on Instagram at SabzyC. That's S-A-B-Z-Y-C. Um, I'm on Twitter at S Shavans and I'm on LinkedIn as well, which is my full name. You can find me there. Um, and those are the three most active networks I am on. And I'm always happy to answer questions if anyone has any. Sabrina, thanks so much for your time today. I know that the first week back is always really busy for everyone. So I appreciate you taking an, an hour out to speak with me. And I've learned a lot about MBAs and the process of self-development and learning. And you've helped to give me some uh, different perspective on the matter and a really interesting conversation. So thank you. No problem. Thank you. All right. Uh, this has been the Internet Marketing Podcast. Take care. Mom 
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.